You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. Gospelite Baptist Church, it is indeed a pleasure and an honor, a privilege indeed to uh, be back with you this evening. Uh, I got to be with you last year and I was tasked with explaining to you how the cooperative program of the Southern Baptist Convention actually works. I've got a crazy buzz. Do I just need to yell? I can take it off if you want. Do you want me to? It's coming through. Can y'all hear me okay? All right. It's a miracle. One, it's a miracle sometimes that technology works, isn't it, Pastor Eric? I mean, I know like every week you're like, Oh man, what demons are going to show up in the sound system today? Uh, but uh, we are grateful for men who are working in the booth uh, to help us with those things. Uh, but even after exhausting like 30 or 40 minutes last year explaining how that video works in detail, uh, somehow you still invited me back. Uh, and so I'm really grateful for that. Um, I know you have been blessed this week uh, with the preaching of Pastor David Allen. Um, and we are thankful for you, brother. Um, thankful for the ministry and the impact that you have made on Arkansas Baptists in a broad scale. Um, this evening, we're going to be looking at Third John. If you want to get your Bible out, you can start turning there. If you start from Genesis, you might reach Third John by the time I'm done with the introduction. If you cheat and start at the back, you're definitely going to beat me, okay? Um, but Third John, we kind of have this zooming in process from... First John, that seems kind of broad, the audience is, is more broad in general, it seems. Second John, we start to narrow in maybe on a particular church. And third John, we really zoom in on one particular person, or really three people, in fact, but it's directed to one particular person. And uh, uh, Dr. Allen, you in some ways have applied that even to Arkansas. Uh, you've preached for us at the Evangelism Conference, but then you have done us a a huge blessing in coming and investing personally in gospel light. And so we are grateful uh, for you being with us this week. And then Pastor Eric, my goodness, where do I begin? Uh, thank you. Um, when I think of you, I think it is, um, it is well-deserved to be commended for the selflessness with which you approach ministry. And church, I think you can be proud of that, of having a pastor who is not in the ministry and is not in the gospel work and the work of the kingdom for his name's sake, but he truly is in it for the name of Jesus being made famous among all people. And he has, he has led your church in many ways to partner with people all over the world, with the missionaries that you support, just broadening uh, not only your worldview and those interactions, but, but your heart of hospitality and charity and putting you out on the line to risk something to support them and to show them love, and especially weeks like these when you invite them in and you really bless them and take care of them. That requires selflessness. But then you've also led your church to partner with us a couple years ago with the Arkansas Baptist State Convention. You, whether you realize it or not, Gospel Life, you have, you have entered into a family of 1,500 other Arkansas Baptist churches around this state who say, we're going to come together. We don't control each other. We don't dictate what we say or do on any given Sunday. But we're going to come together for one common purpose to make the name of Jesus known to every man, woman, boy, and girl in the state of Arkansas. 
And as we do that, we're going to collectively work together to make his name known across North America and throughout the ends of the earth. If we've got a couple slides up here, and this is some of the ways that you do that as a church without even realizing it sometimes. When you give regularly on a Sunday to the tithes and offerings of Gospel Light Baptist Church, a portion is designated from your church to go on to what is called Arkansas Baptist. About half of that money stays in the state to accomplish those mission goals that were in the video whether it's supporting universities and colleges that are teaching biblical worldviews, whether it is supporting uh, the Arkansas Baptist Children Homes for uh, children who have been orphaned, for mothers who are in a tough spot. Uh, You are helping with the Arkansas Baptist Foundation steward millions of dollars every year that get multiplied and amplified throughout the state through generous giving to missional causes. You support missions and church planning all over this state when you give to gospel light. Just this past year, we have the opportunity to celebrate that Arkansas Baptist Church has baptized nearly 8,000 people across the state. Now, while we celebrate that, and that is worth celebrating because the angels in heaven rejoice over all 8,000 of them, we are a state of 3 million, a small state, no doubt, But 45 to 50% of the state is unclaimed by any religion at all. And so there's a lot of work to do. And you are partnering with us in that endeavor. You're involved in church planning efforts here in the state. And last year, 20 new churches were planted across the state of Arkansas. And in those 20 churches, they saw over 250 baptisms. Those baby churches are getting after the work of the ministry, and you have a part to play in that. You might be giving financially, you might be praying for them personally, you are partnering with them in the gospel work. There's a little over 200 or so pregnancy centers all over the state of Arkansas, often associated with local Baptist associations or or local churches in their area. Over 500 babies were saved from abortion last year because you partnered with churches to offer training and support within these pregnancy care centers so that they could offer hope and an alternative solution to the young ladies that would come through their doors. You offered, by partnering with us, you offered evangelistic training So that those young women could hear the gospel, many of them, for the first time. And not only changing the trajectory of their child's life by saving their child, but changing the trajectory of their eternal life by leading them to Jesus. And you are able to celebrate that. Amen. This past year has been marked by a lot of disasters, you could say. Uh, Just recently, we've had numerous hurricanes come upon our shores. Uh, But because of your giving and your support, we have always had a very ready and capable disaster relief team who literally stage on the outskirts of the hurricane as it's rolling in so that they can be among the first responders. They are, they are given kind of a special backdoor pass by the government to come in and offer help with feeding those who are now homeless by taking limbs and trees off of houses that have come in the way of that storm. 
This past year, nearly 300 people gave their lives to Jesus as a result of a disaster relief chaplain sharing the gospel with them. While disaster relief crews are removing trees or feeding a boxed meal, there are men and women sharing the gospel. And as I said, almost 300 people have given their life to Jesus as a result of it. 150 just in the last month. And then two weekends ago, over 115 different Arkansas Baptist churches who would usually come together for a day of ministry in one particular city across the state were encouraged and trained and equipped with resources and evangelism training and ministry ideas to stay in their local neighborhoods because we have this little thing called Rona. So they stayed home this year instead of coming together. And God bless that they did. Because over 115 churches decided to go out into their communities two weekends ago. And in just a matter of about six or seven hours, 50 Arkansans gave their life to Christ. People were washing cars. People were delivering goodies to firemen. People were prayer walking. People were door knocking. And just having simple gospel conversations on the front porch, keeping a distance, but asking them, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And 50 more people have entered the kingdom as a result of that. And this is the beautiful thing of partnering together. No one takes credit for any one of those things. Because we realize that we work together with the same energy and the same passion and the same fuel. Only Jesus gets the glory in all of that. We get to celebrate missions all over the world as the rest of that money goes on to international missionaries and North American church planners. And before we dive into 3 John tonight, I just want to give you the opportunity to jump in with us. Maybe to partner with us on a personal level. As John is writing to an individual named Gaius, addressing him personally and how he has impacted the kingdom, I would, I would charge you to consider how you can personally partner together to impact the kingdom as well. There's a, a slide that will just have some opportunities coming up. That's kind of the division of money. But if you go to the next slide, if you can see any of that, and Pastor Scott will have all of this if you need any of it. But I'm giving him kind of a curated list of trainings and mission opportunities that will be happening, Lord willing, over the next several months and year. Everything from basic training for jail ministry. Right now our chaplains can't really get into the prison system. But the very minute they are allowed in, they're going to need a whole new host of volunteers to share the gospel with inmates. To come alongside our prison seminary who is also equipping inmates for the sake of gospel work. There's a virtual training for that so you can prepare. There's a women's ministry training day coming up October 29th. There's a children's missions emphasis day all over North America on February 13th. March 6th, we are still planning students, high school students, college students. We're still planning to have our student apologetics conference in March. It'll follow local guidelines and all of that. But, but we recognize that we have to equip the next generation to defend their faith and to lead out in sharing the gospel among their friends. We'll have a women's conference in March, March 13th. We'll have a literacy missions and Bible storying workshop. Should you have the opportunity to maybe teach ESL or to go on a mission trip this summer, we want to equip you with Bible storying techniques and other literacy techniques that can help with preaching the gospel. 
April 30th, the critical incident stress management training. And that, I had to ask, what? There's a guy in my office named Bob. And Bob, what in the world does that do? He said, it does everything. Anyone who is going through a stressful situation, take disaster relief, for example, and the stress that those homeowners are under. This is a training that prepares people for helping them manage that incident. May 15th, we're going to have another one of those local serve days all across the state. And then if you're a student in the room, I want you to pay attention to this. We're still sending missionaries all over the world. Places that are opening up, that are reopening. Now, many places have shut down, we know that. But some places are opening up. And we are moving forward as if the Lord is going to open the door for our student teams to go this summer. And so college students and high school students, you can go to nehemiahteams.org. And you can apply for basically a summer's worth of international missions opportunities. NehemiahTeams.com, sorry. College students, you can go to ARGO2.org. And you will find a way that you can search for mission opportunities in the state, in the country, and around the world. It's basically a one-stop shop for all of our college students who feel called to ministry and missions to start exploring that call and take really practical next steps in following the Lord's leading in that. Maybe God stirred your heart with the stories of disaster relief. You can go to abscdisasterrelief.org and you can take online training to begin the process of joining one of those DR teams that is making incredible impact all over the state and all over the country. And then finally, at the very bottom, you could go to abscorg slash praysa. We as a state have been challenged with a list of two to three hundred unreached, unengaged people groups from South Asia. We have been challenged to find individuals and churches that would start marking those names off the list by adopting them in prayer. And so you can go to that website and you will have a list of every single one of those unreached, unengaged names from South Asia that we've been given. And you can see where people have adopted them already to pray for them. And our prayer is that people would adopt them in prayer. And as they are adopted in prayer, God would begin to send laborers into those harvest fields. You can begin today doing nothing more. Maybe we don't need to do anything more at this point. Than praying that God would open the door for the gospel to radically change the people of South Asia. You can do that without leaving this room this evening. And so church, we are grateful for you. And we could not say enough of how thankful we are that you have decided to partner with us in these ways and so many others. Did you find 3 John yet? You should have gotten there by now. I love 3 John because John, the author, has done exactly this. Where he has taken the message of the gospel and he has started to zoom in. In very much the same way that you could go to Google Maps and if I gave you my address, you could, in a very kind of spooky way, zoom all the way into my backyard, right? Have you ever done that on your house? Have you ever started out at kind of the universal view of the earth and just kind of zoomed in to street level? And you've plopped the little icon down on your street and you've turned around and you have looked at all of your neighbors. Or maybe you've done it in a foreign country that you've never been able to visit in person before. But you've, you've started out at the earth 
angle and you have zoomed all the way into the streets of Cairo or the streets of Mumbai or the streets of Tokyo and you have started to experience the sights and the sounds of something on the ground. And John, in essence, in 1 John, has done this. He has come, he has zoomed into 3 John, and now he is entering on a very personal level with one man in one situation. You see, John was likely kind of the overseer of a group of house churches, and Gaius might have even been one of the leaders in this house church. We don't know exactly. Whatever the case, though, John has been encouraging the church there to remain in God's love, to abide in Him, to continue in the truth. He, in Second John, begins to warn them that they should not receive a certain group of people who are deceiving others into believing that Jesus has not come in the flesh. They're starting to pursue maybe kind of an ultra-spirituality of, of a special knowledge that I get but you don't. And all of this and that we do in the body all of a sudden doesn't matter as much anymore because Jesus hadn't really appeared in the flesh. And John is warning them now at the church level, don't receive such men. And so it might be a little ironic when we get to third John that he, he kind of flips the script and he talks about how you are to receive certain people. But there is one church leader in particular whose, whose name is... And I know I'm going to butcher the name because I've, I've done it every single time I've tried. Diotrephes. A church leader who, in fact, is intent not on doing things for the sake of Jesus' name. But, in fact, Scripture says in 3 John verse 9, he likes to put himself first. And not only is he not welcoming other missionaries and preachers and itinerant travelers, he's not welcoming and showing Christian hospitality and charity to them. Not only is he not welcoming them and supporting them, he's actually punishing and expelling those who do. And so John takes the opportunity to address Gaius and to commend him for essentially sticking his neck out on the line. I remember when I was a college student, I traveled for the very first time to Egypt. And up along the Mediterranean Sea, after we had been there for about a month, we were going to do some ministry in the streets in Alexandria. And when we got there, we ended up staying in uh, sort of like an apartment complex that a Christian man had inherited over many years. His family had kind of become the innkeepers of this particular place. And he received us, knowing that we were American missionaries, knowing that the secret police of Egypt were watching us, knowing that he could be, that he could be punished or, or maybe even lose everything that he owns. He was still willing to stick out his neck and receive us with Christian hospitality. And in some ways, that's kind of a similar situation to what this man is facing. And so look in 3 John, beginning in verse 5, how John addresses him. He says, Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. And did you notice what he said? He said, it's a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are. 
To you they might be strangers, but in reality they are your brothers. Three years ago, Scott Mercer was a stranger to me. But by the blood of Jesus, we are instantly brothers. I can literally go almost anywhere in the world, and though a person five minutes prior to me showing up is a stranger, if they are believers in Jesus, they are quickly my sibling. Do you see the change that takes place? It is a faithful thing you did in welcoming these siblings, even though they're strangers to you. In Ephesians chapter 2, we are told that, that all of us were strangers to the promises of God, were we not? But it is by the blood of Jesus, those of us who were far off have been brought near. No longer are you strangers, says the Apostle Paul, but you are fellow citizens and members of the household or the family of God. Church family, there are millions of strangers around this world who call Jesus Lord. They are immediately your brother and your sister. And John says it is a faithful thing that you do in all of your efforts to welcome them, to show them hospitality, to show them charity and love. Even though they are strangers, they are your siblings. The gospel truth of brotherly love, which Dr. Allen preached from in 1 John. The gospel truth of brotherly love is fleshed out in practical expressions towards the church. When you show hospitality, perhaps the greatest evangelism tool of the early church was the welcoming of the unwelcomable. The welcoming in of outsiders. When you show charity to those in need, when you put hands and feet in action, you are showing brotherly love and quickly a stranger becomes a sibling. But then notice the second thing that he says. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles, Therefore, we ought to support people like these that we may be fellow workers for the truth. Do you hear what he says? You will do well to send these, these folks who used to be strangers, now they are your siblings by the blood of Jesus. You would do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God because they have gone out for the sake of the name. Accepting nothing from the Gentiles or the, the pagans might be another translation. Therefore, we ought to support people like these that we may be fellow workers for the truth. Paul uses that phrase often for his co-laborers, for his teammates, if you will. He's always in his letters addressing the fellow workers. He's, he's signing off on his letters with his fellow workers by his side. He's, he's calling the churches that are supporting his ministry efforts his fellow workers. They're working together with the same energy. They are supporting one another's ministry. And these itinerant missionaries passing through town, though he was suffering the risk of rejection by another church leader, Gaius was willing to accept them and welcome them and go a step 
further to support them and send them on their way with whatever they needed. I think one of the things that has stood out to me most about Gospel Light Baptist Church is from the very first conversation I had with Scott about you guys is your love for your missionaries and your undying support for those who are going out for the sake of the name. Because you recognize that it's not just them doing the work, but when you support them, you are doing the work with them. You're undergirding absolutely everything they do. I experienced this firsthand as a missionary with the International Mission Board. I didn't have to worry about needs being met because I knew thousands of churches back home were supporting and undergirding the work. Your missionaries sent out through gospel light don't have to worry as deeply as others because they have a strong and stable church in their corner working together with them. Now, I don't have time to do the rest of this book, this letter, Justice, but I do want you to skip forward to verse 15. Because I want you to notice the two ways that John addresses them. In verse 8, he says, You you support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. And in verse 15, he tells Gaius this. He says, Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Now greet the friends each by name. He doesn't just call you fellow workers. He calls you friends. See, a couple years ago, I went from being a stranger with Scott to a friend with Scott. I went to being a stranger with Pastor Capace to being a friend of Pastor Capace. And this stems just from the teachings of Jesus himself. Jesus in John 15 said, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for, my, for his friends. Verse 14, You are my friends if you do what I command you. In James, he says, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says this, Abraham believed God, it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. Therefore, Jesus, before he departs, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You are not just fellow workers in the gospel. You are friends of God, and therefore friends of each other should be an expression of that. Matthew 28, when he gives the Great Commission, Jesus isn't just gathering and scattering his followers. He's encouraging and empowering his friends. The mandate of the Great Commission results in every member of every church doing all that they can, joyfully partnering to make disciples of every nation. And they lock arms together to pray and give and go, not for their name's sake, but for the one for whom they have given up everything. The name of Jesus, for whom it is said, He shall save His people from their sins. The name of Jesus, in whose name whatever you ask, it will be given to you, so that the Father might be glorified through the Son. 
Jesus said, you didn't choose him, but he chose you and appointed you. You should go and bear fruit, but your fruit should abide. And whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. It is that name that you abandon everything else for the sake of that name. Because everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for that name's sake will receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. Scripture says all who received him and believed in his name, he gave them the right to become the children of God. And it is his name that the Gentiles will place their hope. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, because repentance and forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in this name to all nations beginning here in Jerusalem. But before he ascends, Jesus promises that the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in his name, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that he has said to you. This is his commandment. That we believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as He has commanded us. And it shall come to pass, who everyone who calls upon that name, the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. Because there is no salvation in no one else. There is no other name in heaven, under heaven, given by men, by which we must be saved. You were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Therefore, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Because he has become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. His eyes are like a flame of fire on his head or made in diadems. He has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and by the the name by which he is called is the word of God. And on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every other name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Christ Jesus is Lord to the glory of God. Of God the Father. Don't be like Diotrephes, who did everything for his own name's sake. Rather be like Gaius and the itinerant missionaries who have gone out for the sake of that name. The only name that lasts, the only name that matters. I give thanks for you, Gospel Light Baptist Church, for being fellow workers in this truth. Of proclaiming that name to all nations. May you continue to work for the kingdom. Not for your own sake. Not for Gospel Light Baptist Church. Not for the sake of the Arkansas Baptist State Convention. Or the Southern Baptist Convention. Or anything else. But only for the sake of his name. Made famous among every nation. Would you pray with me? Father God I am grateful. For the name that is above every name. In the name of Jesus. I'm thankful that it is in His name that we find our salvation. And Father, I pray this evening that there is maybe even one who has not given their life in confession of the name of Jesus, that Jesus Christ is Lord, that before they walk out of these doors tonight, Father, sitting in their chair, pulling Pastor Eric aside or someone else, that they would confess the name of Jesus.
that they would trust in your son for their salvation so they might become part of your family. No longer strangers to your promises, but, but members of the household of God. And for those of us in this room that have already done that, Father, we would do well to become fellow workers for the truth. Would you show us how we can better live out our faith and work out our faith Would you call us your friends? Father, would you show us how you want us to work together for the truth of the gospel? And would you help us to joyfully do it together with love for one another as friends of God? In Jesus' name I pray these things. Amen.